Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm your host and as always I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa and not as always we are joined with our good friend Adam Lunt to break down National Signing Day 2021. Uh, it's going to be a good one. We had to call on the big brains because between Dustin and I, I'm not sure we could have handled this ourselves. So Dustin, how are you? Adam, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Ready, ready to talk some recruiting. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, big, big day today and a good day today. So yeah, certainly excited yeah, really to, good. to be on. So. Yeah, well, well, good to meet. Good to have you, Adam. Didn't want to uh, step on your uh, on your line there. Sorry about that. But uh, no, it was a great day. We were done by what eight forty five this morning, Central Time. So really quick work of of the day. And uh, yeah, again, thank you for joining us. So I, I just want to jump right into it. Um, but before we do that, Adam, if you don't know Adam, uh, we've mentioned your name on the podcast with or without your permission every episode this, so far. So it's really good to have you on. Really good to. To, uh, to have you here and, and helping us break it down. Yeah, you guys do a great job. I've listened to all the podcasts, had a lot of fun listening. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, you know, and not, not to mention, it's nice hearing my name every once in a while. You know, it's not, uh, <laughs> not, not that, uh, you know, dust off my shoulder a little bit uh, here and there. But no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's good to, it's good to get back on a podcast and talk. Well, I was going to say, football, so. We'd be remiss if we didn't uh, didn't ask you what are you up to since the uh, tape doesn't lie uh, days. We've we've missed you around these parts. Well, I, I'm I'm full time dadding it. I know you guys talk regularly about it. Um, I've I've got a <laughs> we feel you. You know, I, I already had the dad bod. Now I just uh, I, I had the dad bod before the kids. Um, so then <laughs> uh, then I re I got the kids, and then they kind of filled up a lot of the time. So. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of ran out of time for the podcast and, uh, uh, you know, here we are. So, uh, but glad to be back on and, uh, and talking some football. I, I missed it, uh, to a certain extent. Um, I would say like I 10% miss it. <laughs> <How about Well>, <laughs> I like that. One of the common sentiments that Dustin and I received when we announced we were coming back was that we were filling the void that you left in people's hearts. So you and Mitch really, really did a number on some people. And uh, I don't think we've lived up. We've, we've definitely tried to fill that void, but uh, no, anyway, um, Adam, thanks for filling us in. I mean, I, I want to get right into this and I know you guys do too. I mean, this was a really good signing day for Oklahoma State, obviously the early period. So, you know, there's a two-month window here where you could potentially add more to this class via the transfer portal, whatever that may look like. Um, but just a quick rundown here. I mean, 17 total signees today, again, from, from 7 o'clock to 845. I mean, that was our time frame here today. So it didn't take long to get this wrapped up. But, you know, as of today, a top 25 national ranking via 247 Sports, number three in the Big 12, really solid and then the average rating of 0.876 which is up from last year 0.866 per recruit so just a slight up increase in the quality of recruit we're getting and so you know I just want to start here what were your you know Adam you can start and throw it to Dustin but what were you guys's takeaways for for national signing day today 
I think it was it was nice to see you start strong and finish strong. You know, I mean, uh, the the class got off to a, a pretty fast start, and uh, you know, a lot of times that that leads to some decommits, especially in the modern era of recruiting. And then um, not only that, but you know, there was a, a few late uh, pickups that I think are are really big um, in terms of their ability to contribute early. So, um, so I think, you know, not only the, there's not necessarily a ton of volume. I mean, there's only 17 kids. Um, I think they probably ideally would have liked that to be closer to 18 and 19 to 20, um, somewhere in that bucket. Um, they did miss on a few kids at the end, but, um, but landed a few key, um, position players and the end. So, you know, start fast, finish, finish fast. Um, and also the quality is there. So they'll pick up some kids in the portal, hopefully, you know, kind of shore up some of those, uh, some of those places that they missed out on. So that's kind of my, my overarching takeaways. Yeah. And I think Adam said, start strong, finish strong. And just kind of another thing that stood out to me was just kind of the talent at the top. Like some of those four-star guys we've got in this class, it just seems like more than we've had in previous classes, which you know, bumps that overall average rating, but the, the Shetrans, the Ollie Gordons, the CJ Browns, the Presley, the Weber, the Rangels, guys like that, just kind of at the top, it really just, especially for someone that if you're not paying a ton of attention to recruiting, you're probably pretty pumped about this class, just seeing those four stars at the top of it. Yeah, no doubt. Everybody talks stars in recruiting these days, which I think it has some weight. Obviously talent does partially win championships, um, but so does fit. And um, I think that, you know, I think this class did a really good job of blending the two. You know, they took really good, you know, high caliber talent at the top, as you were mentioning there, Dustin, most of that on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, Taylor Shetron, four-star wide receiver, Ollie Gordon, four-star running back, CJ Brown, four-star running back, Garrett Rangel, four-star quarterback. So a lot of that high-end talent, is on the offensive side of the ball, but that doesn't necessarily mean that what you got on the defensive side of the ball isn't high end talent. I look a lot at a lot of what they signed today as fit. You know, Adam, you just alluded to, um, you know, some late additions to the class. Deshaun Brown to me has been a fit for, you know, the last six months as I was looking at him. I think that's one of the biggest stories of signing day is adding a guy like that to this class um, just from fit alone, because I think he does what Oklahoma state is trying to do with that edge rusher position. But I think he just has a ton of natural ability that you get him in a system like this. Um, you know, and I don't want to spend too much time on one guy, but he just sticks out as, you know, that quintessential, like they saw their guy and they went and got him. Yeah, no doubt. No, no doubt. I think he's uh, you know, he's kind of in the mold of a trace Ford type where uh, maybe even a, a, a little bit different. It's kind of weird. Cause you know, all those edge players, they kind of have, you know, things that they do well or, or their thing. Um, and I, I think he's a little bit closer to trades forward than, than a Colin Oliver, in my opinion, but he's a, he's a really good player. I mean, it's a really good in-state pickup. Um, you know, Brent Venables doesn't come in and offer just anyone. Um, and I think that that's a show of, I mean, OU was on him for a long time and they didn't offer until recently. Um, and not to use them as example of like, you know, some amazing threshold, but, uh, at the end of the day, his offer list is incredibly impressive. He's an explosive edge player. He's also a physical edge player. So, um, so I agree wholeheartedly with you. He's a, he's a good scheme fit and he's a, he's a really high quality player. So uh, it's, it's a great signing day pickup. I mean, it was really one of the only, uh, surprises on signing day, but that, that was a good surprise for sure. 
Yeah, that that's kind of what I was going to hit on that. that. That was the one kind of big surprise there. And we actually got a Twitter question. Kate, I'm going to try to work these in instead of <laughs> rambling all off at warp speed at the end. So our guy, M, who asked a lot of these on Twitter, he said, who does Deshaun Brown compare to? Dude looks like an animal coming off the edge. And he hashtag go pokes. But I think, Adam, you kind of hit on it there with, with Trace Ford. And if you want to give another one, I know you obviously weren't prepared for that question. I saw it earlier. But NFL comparison, I'm going to be a little cheap here and go with the Saints since that's the main team I watch. But he kind of reminded me a little bit of a Marcus Davenport but more, more Marcus Davenport at UTSA. He's really like- I was about to say, he's the UTSA kid, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. More Marcus Davenport from UTSA because like Adam alluded to, he's he's more of a trace forward, more of a strength guy. He kind of comes at you, which isn't really a great thing, but he kind of has an elevated pad level and he really just bull rushes through guys and uses his strength and speed. Once he gets to the quarterback, he's almost tackling two people because he's taking the lineman and the quarterback down at the same time. But just to give him, I know M's asked a few questions that I haven't answered we have, that we haven't got to. So I wanted to kind of hit on that, but yeah, I, I'm super pumped about Deshaun Brown. I think he's awesome. Just watching him on tape. It's, it's pretty fun. If you don't, if you haven't watched his huddle tape. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, you know, the comp I gave, which, you know, this, I, I say this strictly from a, this is what he looks like on tape. Uh, not saying that he is this by any means, because Micah Parsons is going to win defensive player of the year in the NFL, but he resembles him the way he, as you said, Dustin, you kind of illustrated it, elevated pad level and bull rush. I mean, if you saw my, uh, Micah Parsons strip sack Taylor Heineke uh, on Sunday, that's Jay, you what I see. Me? No, 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 no. Okay, well, I'm going to go Reggie White then. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, well, let's just keep it going. Adam, you got anything there? (laughs) Uh, Michael Strahan. Yeah, uh, perfect, yeah. uh, Miles Garrett. No, let's just just step all over it. No, all I'm saying there is like a style. Like it's, you know, Micah Parsons is very deliberate with with his attack, and I saw that with Deshaun Brown. So I can't wait to see what he does. He's going to have – you know, a guy in Trace Ford and a guy in Colin Oliver, Brock Martin, that's a loaded depth chart day one for Deshaun Brown. So, you know, I'll be curious to see what their plans are for him. I mean, again, I don't want to spend too much time on one guy. We got a lot to get to, but he's just very intriguing to me. He might actually be a little bit closer to Brock Martin than the others, actually. Because uh, he's, what Dustin was alluding to is using, um, so he's explosive. He's not quite as explosive as Colin Oliver, but he can win the the angles. Like he can, he'll run through you on the yep. edge, kind of in the same way that Brock Martin does. So he's kind of in between Trace Ford and Brock Martin, somewhere in the middle, I would say. And uh, I know Micah that's a, Parsons, totally agree. Yes. <laughs> hey, yes. And and Kay, just to hit on it, since we're on him, the I get the kind of rumor was the word that came out the re, so dish, Adam alluded to Oklahoma offering him late. And apparently he had a visit on Sunday that he ended up not going to. And that's when kind of all the crystal ball predictions shifted to Oklahoma State. And that's kind of when it was like, okay, this guy might be coming here now. So it was kind of iffy up until the end with that Oklahoma offer and some of the other big offers he had, but able to pull it, pull it through there in the end. I just wanted to mention that because we didn't hit on that part. Well, my, great, I, de- great decision not to go on Sunday, though. That was a good decision. <laughs> oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. 
You know, my favorite part of, uh, of of signing day was hearing that they had pulled his offer due to character concerns. I'm like, oh, good. Glad we're glad we're saying this to just smear a kid who who likely does not have character concerns. You just didn't get him. So, um, well, hey, let's let's move on here. Um, there's a lot to get to. Adam, I want to know, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, let's just start there. Who stands out to you? You know, maybe give me your top two or three guys that you're looking at as as kind of putting a star next to their name. So um, I, I was trying. I was trying to think about like who, because you know, I mean, Shetron and 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 Presley. Like these are all guys that we know about. So like I was when I was looking at watching, you know, them play. I'm like, you know, who really stands out in terms of like public perception and like how good I actually think they are and like what's the what's the biggest difference there like what's the biggest delta and uh someone that's not surprising but uh, someone that stood out to me is is ollie gordon i think ollie gordon's the best running back recruit that osu signed in a a long time i I honestly i don't want to say ever because that's not true but um he's as as complete as a back as i've seen i think he's probably the second or third best player in texas like that's how good i think he is he plays running back so he gets discounted because running backs don't matter of course right um but he's he has speed he's elusive he has size he has ball skills i don't know if you guys remember i said he, he should move the tight end a few months back like his uh, when he was on the um, seven on seven circuit, he was making all kinds of crazy one one handed catches. Like he is like a complete football player, not just a complete running back, complete football player. Uh, I think he's going to be a like total stud. I think he could step in next year and potentially start like that's how good I think he is. Um, so he really, really stood out to me, uh, which isn't super surprising because he's he's highly rated. But I think he's. I think he is high, higher rated than he, he is on the services. Uh, I actually think that the Shetron is, um, I don't want to say overrated, but I actually don't necessarily think he's quite as high as, as some of the, the recruiting services have him. I mean, he's a really, really good player. Um, he just doesn't necessarily excel in any particular area. He's just really solid across the board. So I know we're talking about, you know, the good observation. So I'm going to skip that. The other, the other um, person I highlighted is you say Garrett Rangel. I think it's Rangel, by the way. Rangel. Is this, is this, is this a Max Duggan situation? Yeah, here? that, that could have been uh, my Oklahoma. I forgive my ignorance. If it's Rangel, we'll go with that. Okay. Well, I think Adam, I think when I was watching one of the games, when I wrote about him for pistols firing, the, announcer during that game was saying it like that and now it's stuck in my head i have no idea if that's correct or not though <laughs> well i'll tell you right now i'm going to say Rangel again so let's just get that out in the open too Same. so we'll go with so we'll go with wrangle okay <laughs> so i think it's i think it's wrangle and if i'm right that means that you guys are all idiots um, yeah, that's hey we don't that's we so... don't disagree for the record <laughs> so it, it's it's uh it's really kind of cheating to pick the quarterback but i think for many reasons and as we saw in the big 12 title game hashtag too soon in terms of you know spencer sanders you know throwing some interceptions some of are his fault some are whatever but like he's the type of i i guarantee you the coaching staff specifically sought out a quarterback like him who's mega cerebral um makes incredibly quick decisions I, I i don't think we could talk about the whole podcast about him to be honest with you i've been watching him since his sophomore year um you know there's a lot to like there's also a lot where he needs to improve his his physical attributes and things like that but he has amazing touch he has amazing accuracy he has 
average arm strength and average physical attributes. Um, and he makes super quick and smart decisions. And I think right now, going through this Spencer Sanders phase, um, I think that's a good thing for OSU to have a quarterback such as that. So I'm really excited for him. Um, so, and I, I cheated a little bit. You guys asked for like two or three on offense and two and three on defense. Um, oddly enough, this is a highly rated offensive class. I picked two for offense and four on defense. So, um, which is, uh, I, I don't know. I can't control myself. I don't, I'm terrible. Adam on, on Garrett, didn't you, I think you mentioned to me before when we were talking that he made some tweaks maybe to his throwing motion. Yeah. So he, he used to have kind of like a side, a side thing going and he's, he's been working with a, with a throwing coach quite a bit uh, over the summer. Uh, unfortunately we didn't get to see a ton of it uh, because they just, their team this year was super run heavy and they didn't have and a ton hurt. of good. Yeah. And he for got a injured for games. a few games. Yeah. So his stats were limited, uh, but he did, he did work on his throwing motion and his technique and his lower body uh, as well. And I think, you know, in general, he just needs to get a year or two under his belt and he, I think he's probably 6'2", like 170, and, you know, he needs to get up closer to 190, 195 to, to compete in the Big 12. But also, too, if you can think about it, like a lot of people talk about his arm strength, and I think he's got plenty. Um, you know, he, he's not, uh, you know, in the upper echelon in arm strength, but he's got, he's got more than enough. And all the other throwing attributes I mentioned earlier, I think in terms of a sliding scale, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about him with, you know, an, another two years of development. So, yeah. And th there's a lot of those throws to the opposite hash on tape for him. Right. A lot yeah. of those throws, which, which are throws that Spencer Sanders excels at too, but those are hard throws. Which, which a lot of people talk about arm strength. They're like, you know, how far can someone throw the ball? And it's really those 18 to 20 yard opposite hash throws that really display what your functional arm strength is. Um, and I think he's got it, you know, so. And just to hit, just to kind of go back to Ollie real quick, love Ollie Gordon huge fans of him on this pod. I know our, our boy Fuller, I think he's his already his favorite Oklahoma state player ever, but just some of the stats from last season in 12 games, 225 carries 2,376 yards. That's 10.6 yards per carry. Every time he touches the ball, 198 yards per game, 35 touchdowns. He also, they put him as their wildcat quarterback last year. He also threw the ball 28 times, three TDs, no picks. So maybe we got our second quarterback recruit right there. Hey, uh, trick play option, trick play option. Just, you know, plug in that for the future. So yeah, just yeah. insane, insane stats from that guy though. I want to point something out on Ollie. I mean, he's, he's number one on my list as well. His, his tape is unbelievable. He's coming in at six, one, two, 10, according to 24, seven sports. Uh, Mike Gundy said he might play at two 30 next year. He's got the frame. He's got the frame. So I mean, Dude, that's um, huge. McKindu can't have him though. You cannot put him at cowboy back. Like that's he's what Lunt wants to do. <laughs> yeah, right. The cow bigs. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Hey, when you've got the weapons, they can potentially work it in there. I know. You know, everyone hates the tight end and the fact that we don't throw him to him. But <laughs> put an put a put an athlete like Ollie Gordon out there and see what happens. I don't know. Look, <laughs> what was it? Blaine Green got some catches this year. Look at that. So, oh, yeah, yeah well, no, that he, was a joke. I don't want him to play tight end. <laughs> All right. I'm just kidding. But he has the ability. That's that's his versatility. He could. I honestly feel confident that, you know, next year he could be a contributor at Cowboy back. That's how versatile he is. 
Yeah, they split him out wide also as well. He played quarterback, running back, and they split him out wide. But just to on those two guys, one thing that did stand out to me, just looking through uh, Cody Nagel's notes on 247, uh, Garrett is going – I'm going to call him Garrett now because I feel like I'm saying the last name wrong. <laughs> he is going to enroll early, but Ollie is not. Any concerns with that for Ollie, or he's just that good of a player? It doesn't really matter. Well, I would say that, that that's the way – if I had my choice – I'd like, I'd prefer that over the inverted version because I think Garrett needs to come in and get going. And Ollie's already like, you know, physically there. I mean, you know, he's already 210, 215. He's ready to go. Now, Gundy mentioned he could be up to 230. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I know, um, right? But, but I think he's, he's physically ready like to go. 250? Yeah, well, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, eventually they're going to be up to close to my weight, you know? So uh, I think uh, I, you know, you'd love obviously all of the players to enroll early, but it's just not, enough. I mean, I think they said 11 of 17, which is great numbers. So, um, so definitely Garrett needs to get in there ASAP and just start eating and lifting, eating everything, you know? So <laughs> well, I, I like it. I, can I interest you in Ollie Gordon split out with Braylon Presley in the backfield? Can we, can we do something like that? Okay. I mean, how, about, how about Braylon Presley at tight end? Yeah, there we go. Well, all Let's right. Get weird. Uh, any remaining thoughts on the offensive side of the ball for either of you guys? Um, we'll we'll kind of probably circle back through these guys here in just a little bit. But yeah, talk about what, some underrated guys. Yeah, I anything like that? Any sleepers on the offensive side of the ball? Um. So, it, the offensive line class is interesting because uh, Austin Kowecki, who's out of Frisco, was the type of offensive tackle that. I thought that they had shifted to, which is kind of the Silas bars of the world where uh, lean, you know, real good ath athlete, um, but, but light, you know, needs to come in, bulk them up, but they can bulk them up in their way to kind of maintain that athleticism. And then they go sign Calvin Harvey, who's an absolute monster, 68, 330, uh, who's a little bit more like a Aaron Cochran. I don't know if you guys remember him back in the day, um, but kind of more of a, just like a, a statue type, the feet are pretty average, massive uh, upper body strength and stuff like that. So the offense and Tyrone Weber is like a made player. Like he's plug and play Juco kid does a lot really well. Uh, so there's a real good mix there of like, you know, your super development, who's the Austin Kowecki's of the world, the Calvin Harvey's and maybe a year or two away. And then the plug and play guys, and they're probably going to get some guys in the portal. I know we may talk about that later, but, um, but no, they saved that offensive line class. I mean, for a while there, it was looking pretty bleak. And I think there's, they ended up with three, you know, pretty good players to round out that offensive line class. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at some underrated guys, the, you know, a few offensive line guys, and then also, um, I don't know how to pronounce their name, Talon or, Taylin Shetron, is that it? Taylin? You think Are I'm we... gonna try it after you came on our podcast right. and corrected I... me? I believe that's how you say it. <laughs> the I love Tabri Shetron. I think I would have given, I said this initially, is, is he deserved a scholarship regardless of his brother came or not. Um, he needs to be a, a better functional blocker, but he's got good athleticism. Uh, he's listed at 6'5, 220 on OSU's. Uh, site. So um, I think he's a really nice pickup regardless of uh, his brother coming with him. So that would definitely be someone I would highlight. Yeah. And the other thing about, about Tabry is 
Santa Fe used him pretty much in a cowboy back position, the way their offense functions. And he's lined up in that H back spot. They run split zone where he comes across and trap blocks. He kind of runs that little seam route when they do throw it to the tight end. He did some play action rollout stuff. It just like he could kind of obviously get needs to get a little bigger, like you said, but he kind of already has the, offense down from the cowboy back position which is a little bit different because you know a lot of teams will either run like an inline tight end or they'll split that guy out depending on how they run it but he kind of did everything and also he didn't have many targets so he's already used to that so it's very (laughs) seamless uh very seamless um for sure so i did want to hit uh kawecki he's really interesting i you mentioned silas Barr. I could see, you know, if they were to run out of cowboy backs again, they even throw him there because he's super athletic. I, I saw right. him playing left tackle, playing center as well. What do you think? I mean, do you think he's a future tackle or do you think he could switch interior? Uh, you, you know, uh, I'm, I, I look at it this way is like, uh, and maybe, maybe everyone is a little bit different in terms of how they construct their offensive line. Right. He seems like a tackle to me in terms of the way he plays. Like when I look at a guard, uh, like I want the guys that are going to pancake you and then jump on top of you and drive you into the ground until 10 seconds after the whistle, you know, and, and I don't see that in him. And I'm not saying every, uh, every prospect is like that, but generally at the high school level, when you have a, a power five caliber guard they're like physically dominant and you know that's just not necessarily his game he's a little bit more of a f- athletic finesse guy uh, I think he's best served at tackle but as we saw this season with Cole Birmingham Preston Wilson all these guys moving from guard to tackle to center um, you know Charlie Dickey will plug you wherever and, and give it a run so it wouldn't surprise me but if it were if I would guess or predict I think he sticks at tackle I had Kowecki written down uh, as number one on my sleeper list. I thought, you know, Adam, you kind of pointed out that he doesn't have that like mean streak to him. I I thought out of the guys in the class, he had maybe the most to me. Um, I thought Tyrone Weber had a little bit of that to him, but Kowecki just for his size, 6'4", 265, a little bit underweight. So I like kind of the cowboy back possibility that you guys were throwing out there but um i like his edge uh if if that makes sense i think he's got a lot to him uh so that's who i would say on the offensive side of the ball as well anything else before we move on to the defensive side of the ball i think i think the only other thing i had is on 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 three.com one of the recruiting websites tyrone weber's picture with the cowboy hat in the jersey (laughs) with the shoulder pads on is just awesome it's literally like my favorite. What are you? What are you guys' thoughts on the? Uh, I believe it was both Calvin Harvey and Tyrone Weber took the pictures on the on the horse. I've heard that it's not Bullet; it's another horse. Because oh. I guess Bullet, if you took a picture with Bullet, I believe that's an instability violation, which is ridiculous and stupid. And <laughs> are you, you know, serious? But, is that is uh, that that's an actual thing? I, I think so, um, <laughs> which is insanely dumb. But you know, it's instability, so whatever. But I will say that, like, that's a that's a pretty big like flex power move and i'm i'm here for that that type of picture uh i don't know why they didn't do it with everyone um yeah i i'm i'm here for the horse i'm a little weirded out by it not being bullet because it kind of feels like it's 
like they're like poser bullet like they're trying to say it's bullet but it's not so that's not my favorite but i do love it being on the horse you, you think yeah. it's six eight three thirty calvin harvey like he gets on the back of bullet and bullet goes oh like you think you think he's that big <laughs> maybe that's why they didn't use bullet yeah maybe gotta keep him recruiting in, in violation and he's too big <laughs> all right guys I've been watching a lot of Yellowstone lately, so th- this is very on brand for me. So a lot of horse talk in your house. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. That's why you're wearing the cowboy hat right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Of course, I always got it on. <laughs> All right. Well, before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, some other topics. Let's go ahead and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. I'm sitting here looking at their uh, main uh, page right now. I see this vintage University of Connecticut Huskies shirt. I mean, I'm, I lived in Connecticut for a few years. I might need to, to spring for that or or at least put it on my Christmas list, right? I mean, Christmas right around the corner. Um, I mean, if you use our promo code FEELS12, you're going to get 15% off your first order. So with us being right next to the holidays, this is the perfect gift. Uh, Homefield Apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan, you got to go check them out and use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, welcome back. Breaking down a big uh, portion of this class. You know, we talked about the, the talent at the top of this class uh, in Ollie Gordon, Taylor Shetron, a lot on the offensive side of the ball, a lot of more interesting prospects that, you know, may require a little bit more film look uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but definitely a lot of scheme fits on 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 this side of the football as well. So I'm interested to know what you guys think, you know, just like we did on the offensive side. What, what were your main takeaways on the defensive side? And then we'll kind of dive into to some of the individual uh, signees. So I find it interesting that uh, these class, uh, the last two classes are kind of inverted of each other. So last year it was, you know, the defensive class with Colin Oliver and Aiden Kelly, Kendall Daniels, Ty Williams. Those are the big recruits. And the offense was kind of the sleepers. But if you end up looking at the impact first year, uh, it's almost like more offensive players had impact. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think I'm predicting that for this class because this is a this is an offensive heavy class. But when I actually sat down to look at who kind of caught my attention relative to perception, more defensive players uh, came out. So I think the first player that we definitely should talk about is Xavier Benson, who is the Juco kid. He spent his, his freshman year at Texas Tech, uh, redshirt, then a freshman, redshirt freshman year at Texas Tech. Uh, I think he opted out and transferred to uh, Juco, Tyler Junior College. Um, he seems like the type of player that is definitely going to to step in and be an immediate contributor. Um, I know these are the big picture thoughts, so I'll, I'll hold my thoughts on individually what I think about him. Uh, we talked about Deshaun Brown. Um, I think this class is littered with underrated players. Um, and there's, there's, I think also too, the class in general is very balanced. Like I generally 
um, if anyone had listened to the tape doesn't lie, uh, like recruiting, um, you know, episodes that we did, we broke them down into immediate contributor, like early playing time slash special teams as a freshman and then developmental. And I actually had each, uh, each one of those had like six or seven in them. So it's like a very balanced and actually a lot of the players that are immediate contributors, uh, are defense. I think four of six are on defense in terms of immediate contributors. So, um, I think it's a really good defensive class and a really underrated defensive class. Uh, the offensive guys are going to take the, the headlines, but, um, I'm excited about them. So. Yeah. I, I love Benson. I, I remember him from tech, like it stood out in my head at tech. And I think one thing that's really interesting about him, I know they did it at tech. He played that Raider outside linebacker position. And then at Tyler junior college, he, he has a lot of coverage experience, mainly mm-hmm. zone, yeah. but he drops back a lot and he's able to actually make some plays very good with his eyes. I know, Malcolm Rodriguez, after the Big 12 championship game, talked about the defenders kind of losing their eyes in the first half. That's not something he does. He's very, very aware of what's going on in the run, whether if he needs to make a break on the run or whether it's dropping back into coverage and making a play on somebody down the field. I, I really, really like Benson a lot. So here's my notes on him. Just a, lots of reps in zone coverage. Is I, I do a plus, plus size plus 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 size good in space and feel playmaker in space <laughs> so yeah the, so. The, you weren't the only one that saw that we're on the same page <laughs> uh for sure so and he he's also just a pretty insane athlete it seems like just some of the plays of him just ru- on some of his huddle tape just running guys down way down the field just seems like he's either really fast or just never never quits and it may be a little of both yeah, I think he'll be a good fit for a strong side linebacker, you know, someone that's that's running, you know, winning the edge and then spilling them back to the cutback lanes and stuff like that. So go ahead, Kate, I, I cut you off. No, 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 no. I, you, you guys are you guys are better than me at all this. But Xavier <laughs> was one that stood out uh, immediately to me. We had kind of caught wind maybe late last week that he was a possibility before he actually did commit and then signed today. Um, but Dustin, I thought you nailed it. He's a, he's a playmaker and it's six, three, what is it? What do they have him at six, three, two, 10. He seems bigger than that. He seems more on the six, three, two, 20 side to me. Um, but I think, I, I think Gundy said he was two thirty today in the presser, okay. but he's listed at two ten pretty much everywhere, except I think the new roster Oklahoma state put out, they do have him as two thirty. Okay. Well, thank you for saying that. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't just seeing things, but I thought, I thought he had put a little bit on since before he was at, since while he was at tech and then after his time at Tyler Juco. So I think you guys nailed it on the defensive side of the ball. Um, a lot of underrated talent, you know, Cameron Epps jumps out to me as, as somebody that I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do in this scheme. It follows like the mold of like a Tanner McAllister to me. Um, but anyway, I think you guys are, are spot on. I want to get into the individuals though. Um, you know, we talked uh, bigger picture, the entire class as a whole, but like, who are the guys to you? Uh, Adam, you can go ahead and start us off here. And this is defense only, right? Defense only, yeah. Yeah, so we talked about Benson. We talked about Deshaun Brown. Um, the other two guys, as I had highlighted, was one Cameron Epps. So Cameron Epps is, uh, you know, anyone who's been following along, I've been mentioning for a long time, like hybrid players. 
how many players on the OSU defense right now have changed positions? I mean, it's pretty high. Uh, you know, you look at Tan like Tanner McAllister, you look at Jared uh, Bernard Converse, you look at Malcolm Rodriguez, you just go down the line. Cameron Epps, I, I have here that he could be a cornerback, a nickelback, a safety, a linebacker, or even an edge. Uh, he's 6'3", <laughs> 190, and he played he played slot corner. He played regular corner. He played running back. Um, he's not a, uh, like an absolute freak athlete, but he's got functional athleticism for his size. He's pretty, he's pretty fluid. Um, Adam, and has got great length. So, and, and just sorry to cut you off, but one, one other thing he did is he punted for an average of 42.1 yards per punt. <laughs> pretty damn good. Not bad. <laughs> 42 yards. I mean, you know, uh, that's just, you know, multi-purpose player so you know he's honestly if, if I could choose two players on the most likely to make the NFL it'd be Ollie Gordon and Cameron Epps um, real Ooh. that's uh, in and and not necessarily because of like raw ability now but like if you look at the size and the profile and everything like he's he has a lot of development left but he has that level of potential uh, and then another one that really no one is talking about at all, uh, who I think is a top five player in the class altogether is Dylan McKinney, um, is like destined to be the, the field corner, uh, great size. He's long six, one kind of reminds me of has AJ green, like length, uh, where he's, he's got six, he's six foot six, one, but got long arms and super fluid, good hips, great ball, like plus, plus, plus ball skills, uh, and twitchy for his size. Um, and he's like, like super fast. Uh, so he could be that guy that you stick him out on the, you know, the wide side of the field and, and be, you feel pretty good in man or, you know, even press. And then also too, he's got a lot of reps in zone where he's kind of open, you know, his hips are open and he's playing the quarterback. So, uh, significantly underrated player, Dylan McKinney, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I really like McKinney. I had written down. Like you said, reps and man, reps and zone, blocks field goals, plays wide receiver, runs track, playing 5A Texas ball. Something else that I wrote down, he like some pretty big hits in the huddle tape I watched. And it seemed like he's a pretty solid all-around tackler. I mean, I know they're not going to show his missed tackles on the huddle tape, but he seemed to have pretty good technique and not afraid to go hit somebody from the cornerback spot. I think he had to, he had a few pick sixes. Like he is a playmaker. Like when he gets the ball, he's taking it to the house uh, too. So he's he. Uh, I think it was Gundy that mentioned. I can't remember if he said this about Cameron Epps or Dylan McKinney that he was just like Justin Gilbert. Like he gives me. He, I think he said Cameron Epps, but I think Dylan McKinney gives me Justin Gilbert vibes, um, and not like uh, uh, 2011 Justin Gilbert, and not. 2013 Justin Gilbert vibes. Just to, <laughs> there is just to be clear. There is a distinction. Yes. Yeah. Just to be clear. So. And I, I love Epps as well. He's a guy that probably makes an immediate impact on special teams. I think whether that be kickoff punt block field goal, or even in the punt return game. I know obviously we've got Brennan Presley right now, but that's guy that could get out there. He played quarterback. And as, as Adam's been alluding to cornerback, and was pretty much the do-it-all guy for Chaminade in, in Missouri. So he's just a pretty insane player all around. See, extremely physical as well. 
I, I saw a lot of reps and press coverage from him. Well, that's why I'm saying he could be an edge, like put 30 pounds on him. And yeah, uh, which isn't completely crazy to think like he could be an edge player. That's how, that's how versatile he is in my opinion. So. No, I completely agree. Well, well, Dustin, uh, who sticks out to you beyond those guys? I think, I think those were on my list as well. I had a few others, but who, who else on your list, Dustin, that we haven't gotten to. And I, I kind of like Jaleel Johnson from PC North. He, I don't think he's a guy maybe that comes in right away. I think he's a 40, but just seems like a really solid defensive prospect that maybe I, I know Gundy mentioned all the defensive end guys are coming in. It's kind of like the trace Ford, Colin Oliver type. But I think if you, if you can put a little bit of weight on him, I don't know how much his frame can handle but maybe he's more of like a Tyler Lacey type, a guy that has his head on the ground sometimes. I don't know if you ever put him in, in the nose guard situations that Lacey plays when Oliver and Martin are both on the edge. But I heard he really impressed at that OSU D lineman camp. And I just liked what I saw from him on film. He, he seems like he has a real knack for just getting after the ball, primarily played in the three-man front. He's obviously got to improve on some things, but I think he's a project down the road that I think you could see as a real contributor on the defensive line. Yeah, I had solid written down by Jewel Johnson as well. That's all I had, <laughs> solid. I didn't think he did anything that like jumped out at me. I didn't think he looked overpowering uh, physically, speed-wise, but I just he, – he looks like he knows where he's supposed to be. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do with him. He looks like a good four-year project type of player. Yeah, and and that yeah, I completely agree, Kate. And one thing that kind of stood out to me, maybe a little bit different than from like the Deshaun Brown with Jaleel, is he seemed to have a little bit of moves already on the line, like swim move, swim move, some spin stuff. Whereas we talked about Deshaun Brown's kind of just overpowering, try to beat you, beat you through you or by you. But Jaleel kind of seems to have a little bit of things in the tool bag that maybe once he gets in the weight room, increases his speed, things like that. He'll be able to kind of use all of that at once. One thing I had listed for him, I, it, I just had effort, motor, disruptive. Uh, and I I think all of the the edge guys are pretty raw uh, in terms of – actually, Landon Dean, I think, is the guy that has the best hands uh, or the best upper body. But um, I think Tyler Lacey, I think, is a good uh, – trajectory for him i mean tyler lacy's an all caliber all conference caliber player so if he can be half as, as good as tyler lacy that's gonna be an amazing career for jaleel johnson but i think he's more in my opinion he's less speed and more power uh versus like deshaun brown hopefully you get a little bit of both so like i think he has a, like a higher uh or m- maybe not necessarily higher trajectory but just a different role jaleel johnson definitely i think the the path for him is put 25 more pounds and move him to strong side defensive end and play that Walter Scheid, Tyler Lacey uh, player or uh, position. But I definitely think he made my developmental list where I think like for me, that's two plus years before you really see the field. I think that's where he he's living uh, for me, but I think he's a really high ceiling player uh, with the right development. He can be a, uh, he can be a good player for sure. Yeah, Adam, a couple guys kind of in that vein that I had written down that I think have a lot of like raw potential. You've already mentioned one, Landon Dean. You said he's got good hands, good upper body. I I, I wrote down strong. So I'm kind of with you on that. The way he <laughs> puts his hands on dudes and, and wraps up. I mean, there's one highlight, throwing a guy to the ground, like swinging him 
uh, Ndamukong Sue, Colt McCoy style. So I'm excited to see what he turns into. And then one that I nobody's really talking about, and I'm curious to know kind of your thoughts, is a Gabe Brown. I, I wrote him down for a reason. If you look at, and, and, and I think Malcolm Rodriguez was re- recruited as a quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. I think his, like his profile was quarterback. He was never going to play quarterback at Oklahoma State. But Gabe Brown, 6'2", 210. Malcolm Rodriguez, 6'1", 205 as they were coming into college. Gabe Brown is the number 20th ranked player in Oklahoma. Malcolm Rodriguez, when he was coming out, was the 23rd ranked player in Oklahoma. So a lot of comparisons there. Gabe Brown um, probably going to slot into that position on the field. You could put him at where Devin Harper is. But I think developmental, no doubt about it. But I'm going to be curious to see what a small town guy like that does uh, in a defense like this, because we've already seen it with Rodriguez. I'm really curious to see, because he doesn't, again, I, I talked about this with Jalil Johnson, sideline speed, not all that great, but Malcolm Rodriguez wasn't either. He was just fundamentally exactly where he was supposed to be at all times and was a punishing uh, tackler. So I'm curious to see where if Gabe Brown can emulate some of that, uh, because again, I think sideline to sideline, he's not as great, as quick as some other guys in this class. So curious your thoughts on on Gabe. I think I think Gundy mentioned that he you know he knew more about Gay Brown than anyone because <laughs> he's been you know yeah, he's sure. obviously uh, he's he's been following him for for four years um, and I think that's really the um, you know what I would highlight is when I watch Gay Brown play um, he he just seems like another guy to me like he's he looks like a good player. Um, he needs to develop. He needs to get bigger. He needs to get faster. His tape is not overwhelming. He's certainly a developmental player, uh, but there's, there's something with his, I'm sure he's, his work ethic is tremendous. I mean, here's the thing, like uh, Malcolm Rodriguez was a pretty uh, good player uh, early on, but you know, maybe let's say his sophomore year or junior year, he really came into his own. Um, so, you know, I don't think that he got a scholarship offer really early. So, you know, I think there's a lot that we don't know about Gabe Brown in terms of, I'm assuming he's a tremendous kid. Uh, he's, I think in every class, you have to take some of these types of kids where, um, you know, especially if you're in Oklahoma state where you're not landing the five-star kids and whatnot. Um, I, I think you have to have those level, uh, those types of players to, to set the culture, uh, and whatnot. Um, does he jump off the tape? No. Is he a good player? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to make him seem like he's not, uh, like a, 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 uh, FBS caliber player. Um, but he's definitely a guy that would need to come in in the system and, uh, and all that. Um, but yeah, no good player, but, but certainly developmental. No so. doubt about it. One thing that always stands out to me when I watch Stillwater is how wild some of the stuff is they do on defense. <laughs> <laughs> like, They've got some interesting coaches all together. So. Yeah, they'll stand all 11 players up, but get them near the line of scrimmage, but not on it. And it's it's just it's just wild some of the stuff they do. So at least if if we continue, if Gundy hires someone inside the program and they kind of keep going with what Knowles was doing with some of the kind of craziness, the simulated pressures he's doing, at least Gabe Brown will know how to do some of that because Stillwater definitely does a lot of a lot of funky pressures, a lot of funky stuff on defense. But overall, I, yeah, I think he's a solid player. I wrote down consistent tackler, high motor. So yeah, I agree with that. Good deal, guys. Anything else on the defensive side of the ball that we haven't got to? We kind of ran through. I just double checked. We talked about every player on the defensive side of the ball in this <laughs> class. So anything we've missed, now's your time. The silence means we're going to send it 
to our sponsor. All right, guys, listen up. Our partners at Symbol, who you already know, have a brand new offering, and we're pumped about it. But before we get to that, here's a quick reminder of what you already know. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. And on Symbol, you can trade sports like stocks, and every time your team wins, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Join the over 8,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams and visit www.simbull.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use our promo code FEELS12 for a money back guarantee. Hold on just a second. Money back guarantee. You heard it right. Symbol, our partner, is offering a money back guarantee to all of the listeners of this show. That money back guarantee means even if you lose money in the first 90 days, Symbol will refund your initial deposit with no questions asked. I don't know anybody doing something like that right now. So visit www.symbol.com and again, use our promo code FEELS12 and your deposit will have a money back guarantee up to 500 bucks. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams today. Okay, coming back, Adam, just a little while ago, you mentioned that on your previous podcast, Tape Doesn't Lie, you used to play uh, immediate impact, early-ish, and developmental. Well, I think we're kind of going to do the same thing here, right? We're going to borrow an old idea of yours and, and play that as well. You should I think, steal it and run with it for the rest of time. So we've already trademarked so. it. You didn't. Yeah. We did. So it, it's ours. So, it's, yeah. It's anyway, forever. thank you for that. Cade, before, before we get into that one, do you mind if I just hit on a couple of Twitter questions that were literally exactly that question? Perfect. Just to shout them out because we, we always appreciate these questions. We got at Ryan Ostrander, eight Ryan Ostrander. He says, is there anyone that stands out as someone who will be playing a lot of meaningful snaps and making big contributions next season? Uh, we've got at Thunder Rolls talking about, do you see anybody playing meaningful snaps this season besides Xavier Benson? So I just wanted to shout those two guys out for sending those questions. We appreciate that. Yeah, because so I mean, we're going to get into all that here. So go ahead, Adam. Yeah, I was going to say, here's my list of immediate, immediate contributor, meaning that they, they're like in the, let's say the two deep next year. I have Xavier Benson, Deshaun Brown, Tyrone Weber, Ollie Gordon, which is kind of uh, Ollie Gordon. Like, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be in the top two running back, but he's going to be in the rotation because they're going to rotate more. Uh, Talon Shetron and Cameron Epps. Those are the, uh, what is that? Six? Yeah, six I had is immediate. And, and to be clear, I don't necessarily know if they're going to be in the top two of, of the depth chart, but they have the potential to do so. Like, I, I think they're good enough to make it is my criteria. And I made that up and you can't take that away from me. No, I, I like, I like all of those. It, is, is there any way CJ Brown cracks into that list? I think, um, I think he's ahead of Jaden Nixon in development, but probably still behind um, Gordon and, I don't know why Dominic T- TCU commit. Thank you, Dominic Richardson. And then you know, who knows what the next, the depth chart, but like, I think probably he, he lands somewhere in the, the, the fourth team ish or so. So the question is, is how much are you actually rotating your running backs? If, if a lot, then yeah, for sure. He's got ability. He's a little bit more explosive, I think than Gordon, but um, and in Richardson, I think, I think Gordon and Richardson are, are going to be top two in my opinion. 
yeah, he's insanely fast. Yeah. And super I just feel like I just, I kind of just threw him in there to throw him in there. Cause he's one of the top rated guys in the class and we hadn't really hit on him yet. And he's a fantastic player, but that, that makes a hundred percent sense what you're saying to kind of a fourth guy in that, in that running back room. It's an interesting conversation while we're hitting on it. I mean, you guys, I mean, shoot, I'm going to take us way down uh, a rabbit hole here, but I mean, Dominic Richardson, Ollie Gordon, Jaden Nixon. I mean, you feel good about that stable going into next season. You think any need to explore your options in the portal or anything like that? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. They, they need, um, especially too, if you can think about how many, I mean, how many injuries they had at yeah. running back. I mean, Jalen Warren was a, was a workhorse, but, you know, kind of worn out, wore down towards the end of the year. Uh, you know, Des Jackson was in and out. LD Brown basically didn't play at all for the most part. And then, you know, Richardson was, was, I think, I don't think Richardson was hurt all that much, but he was kind of the, the stable one throughout. I, I think you got to have at least three guys that you feel comfortable putting out there. And right now, I think, at least from what I see, I think assuming Ollie Gordon is who we think he is, I think you'd feel really comfortable with two with the potential of the other two, like maybe one of them making a step. So I think absolutely uh, our running back is a, a portal option for sure. Yeah. I, I, I was just curious to get your take on it because I've had running backs circled, got some questions on as to why I'm just like, man, there's a lot of youth there. So we'll see what happens. Um, Dustin, I mean, what about you for immediate impact guys out of this class? I think Adam, you know, gave us six there. What about you? I think someone we hit on earlier, uh, Heron Weber, I yeah. think since he's enrolling in early, he'll be there in January. He'll be, he'll have a full spring. He's got a lot of experience at that left tackle spot. Obviously we saw Oklahoma state have some issues, some movement at those tackle spots. I think Cole Birmingham may have shored himself up going forward as possibly the left tackle. They've got Caleb, Caleb Etienne, but I think Tyrone Weber could be a guy who comes in and those three kind of compete for those two tackle spots. I, I just stand on tape. He seems like Adam said, he's kind of a plug and play guy. He's pretty quick. He seems to know what to do. He plays until the whistle he's a guy that will go up to the second level even when it's not a play where he maybe is instantly supposed to go up to the second level he'll kind of if he gets done with his guy he'll go up there and make a play he'll even run down the field and block people on long runs I saw on a couple of his highlights so he's a guy that I think could come in and play right away and you know Oklahoma State has seen success with some of these transfer not JUCO guys, but transferring guys transferring in a little bit more mature, like the like the Josh Sills, the Danny Godlevsky. So I think he could be a guy that had immediate impact on the offense. Yeah, the the one guy that I'm I'm interested to see. I mean, I, obviously we've talked about a ton of them. Ollie Gordon stands out, but Taylor Shetron to me could provide the most immediate bang if if he hits early. He's enrolling in January, so that's going to give him nine full months. Uh, to get adapted to the system, get adapted. I mean, he's going to need to hit the weight room. I think they got him at 6'3", 185, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody remind me if I'm, I'm way off there. But I'm, what I'm saying is he's going to fill a need if he can fill the need. And if not, they're going to have to go to the portal uh, to get on that outside receiver position because Tay Martin's gone. I know they're going to have Jaden Bray, but who else they're going to have uh, is is yet to be seen. So if it's Taylor Shetron, great. Um if not, it's a portal option. So I have him as immediate impact one way or another. Yeah, and just to clarify, 
clarify my early now that we're, we're we've made it him because we didn't really talk about him which is that much which is kind of weird because he's I think by far the most highly rated yeah, uh, signing sure. of the entire class. Just an OU flip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. No big deal. Which, by the way, how many times has that happened ever? Yeah, no uh, way. You know, so, you know, truly a unique situation. Um, he's a like a 0. 0.96 on, on 247, which is like, you know, top 100. He's a top 100 recruit yeah. uh, on 247, uh, uh, composite at least. So, you know, uh, immensely highly recruited player. Uh, I think the, the thing that stands out to me for, with him is, is he's already a made player. Like, he's absolutely an immediate contributor because he, he is, is uh, really mature in terms of uh, his, his development. Uh, the thing that kind of gives me a little concern about his ceiling is, is I don't necessarily think that he's like, upper lawn or elite anything like he's he kind of reminds me of like a i mean i know this is going to be a crazy comparison because he's an amazing receiver but like like andre hopkins like what does deandre hopkins do that's like top two uh, at anything you know he's just a he's just good at everything but he's not elite at anything and i think that's what Taylor shetron reminds he's got good good eyes and good speed combo neither you know uh, tall but not huge and he's a good athlete. He's not necessarily an elite athlete, has good ball skills, good awareness, good body control, good radius, but not anything great. So he's going to be a really good college player because next year he'll probably step in. He's going to be on the two deep. He's going to be someone that could catch, you know, 30 balls as a freshman and be an immediate contributor. Um, my comments is more related to his top end potential of like, what does he look like in three years? Is he going to be an NFL player? That I'm not sure of. In terms of immediate college football player, that's exactly what we're going to want to see out of him for sure. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I think that's a great breakdown. Uh, Dustin, anything on Taylor before we move on? I mean, he just – it's like he's got such an opportunity in front of him because, I mean, that that position is open. And enrolling early, they're going to be looking in the portal, I guarantee you, by the time he's there. But um, he, he's just a – he's an X factor. If, if he can work it out to get in that starting position, he's definitely going to be in the two deep, so – yeah, I, I did think one thing he did pretty well on tape. I thought he was a pretty good route runner. Not like a huge route tree, but comebacks, slant routes. He, he did a good job of creating separation. And, you know, those comeback routes are pretty focal in the Oklahoma State offense. So I, I, thought, he, I thought he did that pretty well. But like Adam said, it, nothing, nothing elite, but he does everything good. Yeah. Well, let's, let's move on. We, we hit immediate. Let's go to early-ish. <laughs> this is that second tier where a lot of the class, I think, well, a good portion of the class fits in. I mean, Adam, let's start start with you. Who, who do you have in there? And again, I'm going to end up naming the entire class. So this is like, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is where this is supposed to go. But so, yeah, so my early-ish includes special teams. So, for example, like like Mason Gilkey makes my early-ish because I think he would be like an awesome gunner. Uh, on special teams, also a kick returner as well uh, because of his speed. So I, I have Landon Dean because he's, he, he's mature. Um, uh, he's not a guy that's like an elite athlete. I don't think he'll ever be an elite athlete. Um, and, but he's going to win with his hands. He's going to win with his strength. He's a good athlete, but not, you know, not an upper tier. So I don't, I think he's got a high floor. So I think he'll be someone that, that could be a contributor in a year or two. CJ Brown, I have on that list is that like Dustin mentioned, he's explosive. 
uh, Braylon Presley is also on this list because of special. I mean, I think Braylon Presley held just put both Presley brothers back there on kicker turns next year. I mean, why what not? are you going to do? Kick uh, it out and then also, yeah, right. Exactly. And then also too, like, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for, for Presley out there and other, uh, you know, gadget type plays or screens or anything like that. So I got him, I got Mason Gilkey, uh, and then also Dylan McKinney, who I think, um, cornerback is, is for the taking, especially if Bernard Converse doesn't come back, uh, really contributor depending on how the depth chart plays out um so that would be my list uh, for, for kind of that mid-tier so so adam do you have do you have mckinney over epps in in like contribution status there who would contribute earlier so i have epps over him just because i don't epps can like plug in on like four positions yeah so if we're talking about true cornerback i think mckinney's a better true cornerback because i honestly feel like that there's a good chance epps ends up at at safety um, just based on what I've seen. So I think Epps has a better chance to play early just because he's got more position options. Um, another guy, another guy that could play quarterback. Maybe we have three in this class with Gordon. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Why not play all of them at the same time, all at quarterback? Who knows? And that also, we get a lot of questions about, uh, should we get a new offensive coordinator? That might've been Adam Luntz ad- audition right there that comment yeah the the three-headed quarterback monster yeah nice hey i have got a question for you guys real quick uh, as we kind of for the first time i think talked about braylon presley which is outrageous how do you see a braylon and brennan presley coexisting uh take place that there gundy said today in his conference that braylon was going to slot in at slot receiver as well um you know if that's going to happen i mean is he going to back up brennan presley is that what they're thinking is going to happen I guess, um, you know, I mean, there, there's only so many places on the field that you right. can put a, a five, seven player. At. Right. Uh, and I don't, I, Brennan is a little bit taller. I think he's closer to maybe five, nine. Uh, I do think that they have some subtle differences in their game. I mean, Braylon Presley is your traditional, like, like scat, like juke you out of your shoes, fast, explosive, twitchy guy. Brennan Presley has that too, but Brennan Presley is, uh, I think a little bit more of a well-rounded player in that he's got some ball skills. He's a little bit bigger. So they are a little bit different in that aspect. I think Braylon is a little bit more like game breaker, break your ankles, take it to the house type player, even though, you know, Brennan has that in him too. Uh, I don't see how they could play a different role though, because generally speaking, when you're even going to four wide receivers and you got two slot guys, usually there's the twitchy guy and then there's the, Dylan Stoner type, the possession, the chains, good route possession, runner, yeah. right. So there's usually a little bit of a distinction there. And, and uh, you could put both of them in both of those uh, easily, but I don't think that that's necessarily how the structure is played out. So yeah. The, do you guys, do you guys remember Trendon holiday that played at LSU? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah that that's what, that's kind of who Braylon reminds me of. And that's what LSU did with him. He was, a lot of gadget plays. He was on all the return teams. He he reminds me of him because of Adam. What you mentioned that that kind of stop start cut ability that he has. You, you can't like guys with any any bigger body types can't do that, or their like knees would explode. It's it's pretty insane to watch. It's it's something that Barry Sanders could do. Not comparing him to him, but it's you don't really get that in a lot of players. The way he's able to kind of 
stop and completely go a different direction because he's lighter, because he's shorter. But that he reminded me of him, and I think that's how Oklahoma State will use him. Just I, I think he could eventually play a bigger role, but Adam mentioned it earlier on this pod. I think he's more of a gadget play guy next season and maybe even the next season, but I, I don't know how exactly that is. Maybe they snap it to him. Maybe they flip it out to him. Maybe it's slot receiver, like Gundy said, but I definitely could see him being used in a bunch of different ways and having a lot of plays designed specifically for him. Jakeem Grant is another guy. Remember uh, yeah. Tech? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so. Jakeem Grant is my Trenton Holiday. I didn't remember Trenton Holiday, but uh, Jakeem Grant still. Well, he's an me. LSU guy. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I, and to, I, be, to be clear, too, like gadget people think like low volume. And and I think it's you can be a high volume, high functional gadget player, you know? So, like, I don't, I hope people don't take that in like as like a negative slight. It's just you can move him everywhere. Uh, all over the field and try to do a lot of different things with him in certain, certain instances. Like so. the chiefs do with Tyreek Hill that, that, yeah. I mean, if you call that some of that stuff is gadgety, but you wouldn't say that's low volume. He's one of right. the best players in the NFL. Right. So. And he's got experience playing running back and wide receiver too. So, I mean, that's another thing is, I mean, you can, you can motion him in the backfield and run a pitch and the next play, you know, put him in the backfield and then motion him out and then run a, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, jailbreak screen. Like that's the type of, uh, you know, flexibility you could have with, with a player like Braylon Presley. So that's exciting. Well, well, great breakdown, Dustin. I didn't mean to skip right over you. Any guys in that early ish, um, you know, uh, portion that, that stick out to you that maybe could make a move up into that immediate impact realm. I think we've hit on most of the guys I had. I don't want to kind of yeah. drag the convo going just just to talk because I think I think you guys have hit on most of the guys that I that I had in that category. Well, I, I agree with you, and I'm I'm to the point where I think we've we've nailed it. Uh, this was a a great class. I think we need to move on to a, a different conversation. What still needs to be addressed? Uh, obviously, there are a lot of of abil- ability to go get some guys that you may not have been able to get uh, in this class through the portal. You know, there's a a couple of slots open. We've already talked about one immediate need at running back. What else is out there? You know, some positions I would highlight would definitely be uh, cowboy back because you're looking at Logan Carter, who's, uh, you know, I'm I'm assuming that I don't know how, who has eligibility these days, but assuming he has none. Um, and then the, the fact that later in the season, they basically ran out of players. Like they need to reinforce that position ASAP. There's going to be portal activity in a negative way too. So we're, you know, we've, they've already lost Hunter Anthony on O-line. There's probably going to be more O-line transfers. Uh, so I, I expect them to be active in the O-line tra- uh, portal uh, activity. We already talked about running back. Um, they should be set at wide receiver. I don't, I, I don't think that there's a ton of activity need there. Um, I think they got to stack defensive tackles because if you look at their interior linemen, you know, Jaden Jernigan put himself in the portal uh, th- this morning, I believe, or yesterday. Yeah, no, and, this morning. Um, and you look at a C, Sione C, Brendan Evers, um, you know, these guys are, are like – upperclassmen uh and if you look at the last few classes it's like who are your defensive tackles you got aiden kelly from last year and then i don't know if they signed a defensive tackle this this uh this cycle. yeah they um, had what what was it they thought they might land mcalpine who's more yeah. of a 
right, inside right. guy, but he went to tech. Sorry to mean to cut you off, Adam. No, 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 you're you're good. So I, I think that defensive linemen in general, bigger, you know, bigger strong side DNs or defensive tackles. Uh, and then also too, you got to think about linebacker. I mean, there's a ton of youth. Uh, so you, maybe you feel good about those, but you know, and maybe you feel good about Benson now, but if not, um, that could be a position you could look at. Uh, and then maybe the biggest of them all is cornerback because you've got, uh, you know, safety they're set. Uh, I don't care who's coming back or who's not. They got all kinds of safeties, uh, cornerback. I mean, Bernard Converse might come back, but Christian Holmes is gone. And then, you know, Corey Black and Muhammad got a lot of uh, experience last year, but then you're looking at DeMarco Jones, a lot of uncertainty after there. So I think they got to go sign at least one or two quarterbacks in, uh, in the portal mandatory. And all the other ones are kind of like on the fringe. Uh, I would highlight cornerback is a very important position in the off season. So. Yeah. And, uh, my three, my three big ones that I had, I had offensive line, try to get one or two in the portal. I had cornerback, try to get one in the portal. And then I had defensive line, but if, if Evers and Lacey and Antoine, I saw Pokes report come out with something that listed all the guys who they think are coming back and then kind of had Evers as a question mark. And I know they lost Jernigan, but it's almost like, I, I don't know if they need a Juco guy to come in but it might be something – I know most of the high school guys have already signed what Gundy's projected 98% of the guys signed in the early signing period now, which is probably right. But I think it's got to be a huge emphasis in the next class and the class after that, the interior defensive lineman, because I, I don't know if you need a plug-and-play guy for next season if all these guys decide to come back, but depth is going to be an issue down the road. I just think it's if you look at interior line, you're riding a lot on Colin Clay coming back from injury. Two torn and, ACLs. Yeah. And and you're riding a lot on Aiden Kelly. Um, you know, I saw Aiden Kelly up close in August and he's gonna be a good player, but he needs like he is on the smaller ish side of of being, you know, of, of being that three tech dt that we need uh so we need him to have a big off season uh and then after that i mean you're looking at a c who i think is gone evers who i think is coming back is antoine but all these are seniors colin clay who's gonna be a yeah, that's what junior I'm next year. Uh, you know so xavier ross who hasn't played yet we're not sure what we know about him and then uh, you know i mean their de defensive tackle might not necessarily be a light position next year but like after that it falls off a cliff yeah, so they, they either that. need to get some portal kids that have multiple years of of uh eligibility left or like dustin mentioned start signing them in mass uh in good players that are immediate contributors from high school or juco ranks and in future classes sheesh i hadn't noticed that on the depth chart that's uh it's a little bit scary uh, that they hadn't been taking players uh on, on that side of the ball so Jaden um, jernigan if you're listening why <laughs> which we have a Why? huge player listener population they all listen um reconsider no, i'm just kidding i'm sure you have reasons but but uh, you know go do your thing but seriously like like look at the depth chart my friend like you're in good you're in good position my, you're, in, you're in good position so anyways continue on no i i think you guys nailed it and uh i i hadn't even noticed the defensive tackle uh position on the depth chart you know Cowboy back continues to stick out to me. It's like, even if you were 
to find a, you know, and I look at this more on the, on the blocking side of things, like th- that's why it's so important to the offense. But even if you were able to go out and find somebody who's got, you know, a couple hundred career catches, like I, I'm not sure that's who they're going to target. They're going to target a guy who can slot in and is a body and can block for a couple more years. It's kind of like, I look at, uh, you know, Luke Haas coming out of the Bixby next year, that kid's going to look for volume um and as you kind of mentioned earlier adam uh we don't really provide a whole lot of that outside the run game for the cowboy backs so it'll be interesting to see uh you know where they go um you know outside of luckily that luckily we have luckily we have ollie gordon <laughs> that's right we could slot and him Braylon in. presley well <laughs> you would like to get blaine green back to his natural position don't you think like i i loved putting him there out of necessity i thought it was clever but i don't think you want that for 12 games out of the year do you well, well, it ended up, um, I mean, uh, maybe this is a, a little bit uh, ex- ex- of an exaggeration, but I think ultimately that position wrecked the offense um, <laughs> because uh, because if you think about it, when did the run game start to completely torpedo yeah, right. in the season? It was when Braden Cassidy and, and Logan Carter got injured, and then they shifted by necessity to Blaine Green. And this is not fair to Blaine Green. Blaine Green's a wide receiver. And he shifts over and starts playing tight end out of nowhere. Uh, and he did his best, and he made some plays here and there. But Blaine Green is not at the level in terms of blocking that they needed him to be uh, as a true freshman, which he uh, that's not anything against him. Um, so that they either need to shift their strategy – or they need to go find some more bodies that can come in and be Braden Cassidy's. So, oh, no doubt about it. Uh, Dustin, any final thoughts on this national signing day? I think we could put a bow on this. Yeah. I think the only thing that I wrote down that I didn't get to mention was my guy, Tyrone Weber. He already has an NIL deal. I think he was like one of the first Juco guys. Did we drop a bag? We did it. No, he had it before with cells RX. It's a pre-workout protein supplement, but I believe he was like one of the first Juco guys to get an NIL deal. That's pretty awesome. Awesome. Respect. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. I I might try that. Offensive lineman. I think it was Darren Ravel said offensive linemen are not marketable. (laughs) Like Tyrone Weber is offended by that. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so is Texas offensive line recruiting class this year. Right. <laughs> Weber, Weber also won MVP of their JUCO conference. Like, not not top <laughs> offensive line, but he yeah. won the MVP award. Hell yeah. That's what that I'm is about. unbelievable, actually. I've never Dustin, heard of I did before. not know that. No, I, I think uh, Robert Allen pointed that out on Folks Report. I thought that was pretty wild. <laughs> I think wow. there's a reasonable chance that he could win the Heisman. Yeah. <laughs> Next year. Yeah. So, he might uh, even be able to play quarterback. We, Who knows? Is, is that, is that, should that be my, my uh, ending statement? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think with that, crazy. I think with that, we're just going to let you <laughs> and go. And with that, I sign off forever, you know, <laughs> right, into, right into the sunlight. Yeah. Just until next year when, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever hot take we get then. But Adam, I mean, man, it was a blast to have you. Thank you a ton for joining us. Uh, it was great to get your expertise on this. Where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, it's at Adam Lunt, L-U-N-T, 817. And, uh, yeah, I don't I don't work for anyone or anything. So if, if random there are random guy. football tweets here or there. So, uh, you know, I'm sure most people like to plug their 
their magazine or the work or anything. I don't, I don't know. I just tweet for the fun of it. So, well, you do a great job of it. So again, thank you for joining the podcast and uh, we loved having you and uh, let's do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks guys. Take care. Thanks Adam. Bye. There's a specific set of rules I live by. And one of those is that no tailgate is complete without a grill. No tailgate of mine, at least. And I know that no grill is complete without Gridiron Metalworks. Uh, These guys are fantastic. If you haven't heard of them, take a look. They do great work. They do collegiate-branded grill grates, griddles, flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, can coolers. And it's all in Oklahoma State school colors. I don't know if you've been walking through the store before. You see something with the Oklahoma State logo. But it really resembles the suit that Lloyd wore in Dumb and Dumber. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's not even close. But these guys at Gridiron Metalworks, they nail the color. And with their products, you know, with their grill grates, you can sear your steak, burgers, brats, veggies, and they give you the perfect pistol peat mark every time. Plus, in addition to all that, this is the perfect gift to shop for. I know we got the holidays coming up right around the corner, and you probably know somebody in your life who you need something to buy something for, whether it's a boss, family member, coworker, whatever it may be. I bet you know who they like, what team they support, where they went to school, and I bet they're a Big 12 school. And if they are, every single Big 12 school has a product through Gridiron Metalworks. So go check them out. Um, these are high-quality, custom-cut, made in the United States. And right now, when you use the promo code FEELS12, you'll actually get 15% off your first purchase. It's a fantastic deal. Um, I don't know if my wife's listening. I want one of these. Speaking of you know, somebody that's hard to purchase for, that's me. I know I do not have a Pistol Pete grill grate on my grill, but I wish I did. And uh, maybe she's standing outside the door listening to me. I could I could only help. But again, right now, use the promo code FEELS12 and you'll actually get 15% off your first purchase. It's a very generous offer and very thankful for that. I'm wondering if I can use my own promo code. I'll have to run that up the flagpole. Uh, the kicker, all orders over 100 bucks get free shipping. And so if you're a K-State fan, a West Virginia fan, uh, and you're looking for a grill grate, griddle, or a unique metal home good for your collection, just visit gridironmetal.com and use our promo code FEELS12 for 15% off your first order. All right. Well, thanks again, Adam, for joining us. It was a blast to have you. Um, You made Dustin and I sound a whole lot smarter. Really me. Uh, But yeah, anyway, good to have you. And thank you again for for taking the time to do that. We're going to move right into uh, some basketball here. Um, I mean, last week, just one game. uh, I say last week, it was Monday, it was yesterday or two days ago at at the time of recording. uh, An overtime thriller against Cleveland State. Dustin, I mean, any big thoughts lingering in your head in that one? Yeah, this game was a little odd. At the beginning, you could tell, I think Cleveland State has like 10 seniors on their roster. And you could tell early on their ball movement, the way they moved it on offense. Those guys have played together for a really long time. And they got, they had 15 made layups in the first half. I think they attempted like 23. They were in the tournament last year. They're they're a good team. They're a solid team, but Oklahoma State really had no answer for their points in the paint. I think they had 32 points in the paint in the first half. And in the second half, they just stepped things up in the hustle department and on defense in general. I think they only had seven layups in the second half and in overtime. And I want to say it was 16 second half points in the paint and four in overtime. They really just kind of took that away, basically half of what they had in the first half in the 
second half in overtime. So that was kind of my big takeaway on the defensive end. And on the offensive side of the ball for Oklahoma State, they kind of broke the zone. <laughs> a little bit. Cleveland State had to get out of it. They, they, they were switching back and forth early, but they pretty much completely went away from the zone late. Well, I, I thought it looked like the ball moved around a lot better than usual. Um, I enjoyed seeing Avery and Ice get deep into that zone and look around. Like they, one, look to shoot and then look to quickly make a pass and cut behind the zone. We saw that several times where somebody was crashing from the baseline to the basket and that underneath pass was right there for likely or Anderson to make. So, uh, at least some adjustment there against the zone where you're probably not going to rain threes over that, over that this year. You're just not. Um, so it was good to see an adjustment finally um, against that because, you know, I, again, Oklahoma state's not going to be a great three point shooting team. They're going to finish in the bottom half of the league. Uh, I feel very comfortable about that in three point shooting. So you got to figure out another way to handle it. And I thought they did a good job of that. Um, you know, the one thing that concerned me, was just the end of that game, uh, the end of regulation there. I mean, you're up, what was it, four with like not very much time left at all, and it's a bang-bang deal, and all of a sudden it's overtime. So uh, credit to Oklahoma State for getting out of there against a really solid team who's going to probably make the NCAA tournament again. I mean, they were projected to win the Horizon again. So good win. You got out of there, but now it gets a little bit tougher, right? Uh, Houston, USC coming up this week, that's – number 17 and number 10 in the, in the land for those of us keeping score at home. So, I mean, Dustin, big, big challenge ahead of them this week. Yeah. Those games are going to be really tough. I, like you said, I, I liked what I saw in the Cleveland state game, which you talked about breaking the zone. That was a great point about talking about the guards getting in there. You know, we, we keep talking about getting into the high post, getting into the short corner, getting on the fast break and running. So they can't set up in the zone, but really, they haven't been able to do that. And in this game, they were still, they were able to get into the high post in the short corner to Moncrief and Caleb Boone a few times, but the guards kind of took over as getting to the high post themselves. Yep. Like you said, having the zone collapse on them as they're collapsing, making the pass before they can really get trapped in the middle of it. So I did like that. I, I love what I'm seeing from Avery Anderson. He's been scoring a lot of points recently. He's been turning it over quite a bit. But that play at the, at the end of regulation, zooming down the field, looking like the Tasmanian devil, and then laying it up, that was pretty amazing. And something else that really stood out to me, Cade, and it might help them in these next two games, Bryce Williams had his highest usage percentage in this game. In one of his – I think he's only started a couple times. I think he has to be the primary ball handler. I know he's not your prototypical point guard. He's more of a scoring point guard than a facilitator, but he had four assists in this game. And I think he needs to have the highest usage percentage every game. I mean, what, what is your take on that? Well, I, I love it. Um, you're putting the ball in, in the hands of a senior playmaker. Um, you know, the one reason outside of what you just listed that I would agree with that for Anderson is turning the ball over too much. And this is a trend. I mean, uh, several this week, several last week, um, you really, with, with how much usage he gets with how much the offense requires the ball to be in his hands. It's like, I think Cade Cunningham handling the ball last year might have like disguised some of those deficiencies. We might not have noticed it as much because Anderson was just not, he was, he was able to take the pass and make one quick decision with it. I'm either driving, I'm shooting, or I'm passing. Like, that's really what he had to do last year. Now he's running an entire offense. I mean, he made a play uh, late in the game last or on, on Monday. Uh, he drove the lane, jumped, 
and threw the ball to nobody. And that is something that you can tell he's a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit out of control, because frankly, it's something I do when I'm playing pickup basketball. I will drive <laughs> the lane, leave my feet, and I don't have anybody to pass it to. It's a very difficult thing to not do. It's like, man, you'd really like your, your you know, at this point, junior point guard to, to not do that. No, I completely agree. And, and like you alluded to at the, at the end of your comment earlier, this starts your the string of games on Ken Palm that he has us losing. I believe it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven before the TCU win on January 19th. So this is going to be a tough stretch. You've got the USC game that's in Oklahoma City at the Paycom Center. I, I just, I, I'm not sure. I, what game in that stretch do you think they can win? West Virginia? Yeah, I would say West Virginia is the most winnable. Frankly, I, it's going to be Texas sound crazy. At home. Houston feels winnable in Fort Worth, neutral site. I know they're so physical. They got great guards too. Um, frankly, none of them feel all that winnable to me. West Virginia, definitely. Houston feels winnable. USC, neutral site. I mean, I think a good amount of Oklahoma State fans will show up simply because it's downtown Oklahoma City. Um, I mean, I, that, that one, you could see a, an upset special. Here's the deal. Oklahoma State's talented. Like, they've got guys. It's just, can they put the pieces together? Uh, can shots start falling, and can you not turn the ball over? I, that's what I really want to see. I want to see a little bit of change in mentality and start stringing some stops together. Like, it feels like they're getting a stop scoring and then giving up a three. They're stop scoring and giving up a three. Like, let's string four or five together and get a lead built. Um, you know, they, they had several times in that game against Cleveland State. Seven-point lead, they gave up five quick ones. Four-point lead, they gave up a three. It's like anytime they built any separation, it was immediately a turnaround, like uh, whiplash, like your lead's gone. So they're not stringing together stops, and that's where things need to change, in my opinion. And it's not going to get any easier. I mean, they, they got to they fix this right now, so – no, I completely agree. It's going to be a tough stretch, but hey, we're here for it. We're here to break it down, and we're, not, we're going to keep our chins up. That's right. That's right. I'm, I might need to get to uh, the Paycom Arena uh, next week. Right? Is that, that Yeah, that's next week uh, mm -hmm. for that USC game, so that'll be fun. Uh, Dustin, let's go ahead and move on to some questions. I think we had several on Twitter this week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe uh, let me know about those. Yeah, I was just going to shout some people out. We We hit on a lot of these. It was hard to kind of break them in when Caden Adam and I were talking, but a lot of the questions were around recruiting Ryan Ostrander. Like I said, uh, at Thunder Rolls sent some in, we had, uh, we had a couple at Brad Ross asked if you could get a player on the pod as a partner, as Ooh. part of an NIL deal, which current player would you want? I think for me, because we've talked so much about the defensive line this year, I've got to take a defensive lineman. I think I'd have to take Kyle Lacey because he's, I think he's my favorite player. Ooh, that is a good one. Um, wow, I wish I would have seen that, frankly, because I, I could spend some time <laughs> on that. I can shout um, out a couple more while you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, at, at Aaron Yount uh, asked us about, with Rangel and Gundy, along with Spencer next season, do you see Illingworth transferring? If so, who do you see winning the role of Spencer's backup? I, I definitely think Illingworth transferring is a possibility. If that, if that happens, I think the immediate backup is – is probably Gunner. I would think it's Mr. Mr. Transfer in. Portal, don't you? Yeah, or Transfer Portal. I, I mean, I think 
as the depth chart is right now, I think it maybe is Gunner, but I think they would go get somebody in the portal for sure there. Got to. So, Aaron, thanks for that question. Uh, at Lou Pineda, Lou's always asked us uh, some great questions. He asked us about the offensive line. We hit that in the recruiting. Um, and then at Fuller Funboy, who, who uh, always asks us questions, helped us with the name of the pod, one of our great friends of the pod. He asked about some three immediate impact guys, so we hit that. And I think – let me check because a couple of people responded to my retweet of it, but I think that was it. Oh, at uh, OCH40 asked about what incoming freshmen have a chance to contribute next year. We hit that as well with Adam. So appreciate you guys. That was, that, I think that was all the Twitter questions. Appreciate you guys asking those as always. And like I said, now that we're, now that we're more into the off season, we'll have some more time to hit these, especially in later episodes where we don't have guests. So appreciate well, those as always. Yeah, it, it's but again, I say it every week. It's one of my favorite parts of the show and getting to interact with you guys. I've, I've decided my NIL offer. I would like Let's to sign it. the Presley twins. I would like Ooh. both. Of, I would like both of them because the marketability like is off the charts. I mean, I'm thinking of <laughs> a cartoon shirt. I mean, Presley threw up the deuces to OU when he ran that kickoff back. So I'm thinking a little cartoon shirt with that. I mean, you've got two players with the last name presley they're related to each other i i don't know there's a lot you could do there i love it um, I, I think those two guys have have some serious marketability to them your yours was smarter financially and economically i think than mine i mean take you think too. i'm dropping the bag for for no reason <laughs> i i need to sell uh, some shirts i need to move some units okay okay well we got all of one voice question this week which is a little disappointing uh, frankly, we, we typically get several of these. Um, not not mad about the abbreviated uh, end to the podcast. I'm going to get to go see my wife tonight. But at the same time, send in your voice questions. You can go to the link on our Twitter page. It's always there. Uh, Anchor.fm. It'll take you right there. Feels like 45 pod. This week's is from Brendan Morris, um, and he's got a good one for us. Hey guys, it's Brendan Morris, uh, big fan, um, caught on to you guys about halfway through the season and I've really enjoyed what y'all do. Um, had a, a question as much of a thought, wanted you guys to kick it around because it's always been an interesting topic for me and my buddies, but um, I have long said that the new Big 12 coming in, um, obviously post OU Texas and with the new schools coming in, whoever in the current Big 12 can continue their momentum and their you know, success in recruiting, um, if you want to call it success, getting three-star and low-star, four-star guys, um, but getting the development out of those guys is going to be best situated to, you know, potentially be the next Clemson type of team that kind of comes out of the woodwork. They're a small town, but, man, they win and they do it big. So wanted to see what you guys thought about our approach this year, a couple more Geoco guys that we're used to seeing. And, you know, do you think this is going to be kind of seeing that writing on the wall as well, that, hey, we got to be positioned whenever this goes down to roll. So uh, anyway, keep it up. Appreciate y'all. Talk to you soon. Oh, thank you, Brandon. That's a great question. I yeah, think Brandon, it's, I love that question. It's thank also you. a theme, right, that we've heard Gundy talk about all like really the latter half of this year about Oklahoma State taking that next step as a program, like turning Stillwater into a football town. All of those things that Mike Gundy was talking about, I I think play into this idea that that Oklahoma State could be like a Clemson. Um, you know, if there are, if I'm going to pick two schools, because I think I think you have to give credit to a, another program that Oklahoma State just ran into, especially in this new Big Twelve. I think Oklahoma State and Baylor, you know, carry the water in this new Big Twelve, especially if they continue to build on the momentum that they've already got. I don't see any reason a new Big 12 without OU in Texas can't 
still maintain an Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech in the top, you know, 25, 30, 35 in the recruiting rankings where they've lived for the last two decades. So to me, um, I think it's more about embracing where you're at and trying to improve your own situation, keeping assistant coaches when you can. And I'm not saying they couldn't, I'm not saying they could have, um, but doing everything you can to make Stillwater an attractive place to like a college football town. I think that plus, um, you know, understanding that the landscape in the big 12 changing isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think Oklahoma state's in prime position. Yeah, I completely agree. And kind of to Brendan's point about Gundy mentioning setting everything up and things like that, but you're going to get a class that ends somewhere between 25 and 30. I would think, I think they're ranked 25 right now on two, four, seven. So you've seen previous classes, not last year, but in, in, in prior years, them end up in the forties, in the 40 yep. range. And Gunny mentioned that today in his presser. So if you can continue with these last two classes and be in that 25, 35 range, maybe even a little bit higher, you are positioning yourself to be the upper echelon of this new big 12 and probably the top. I mean, right now they're third, right behind OU and Texas. And I, I, I like what you're saying about Baylor. I think they're right there behind as well, but if they can continue recruiting like this, and basically what they're doing is they're able to hit on some of these higher guys. They're able to get the best guys in Oklahoma. And then they're still able to go find the James Washingtons, the underrated guys and develop them into these top tier players that get drafted in the middle to higher rounds of the NFL draft. And, and another thing that Gundy mentioned that kind of goes along with what you said and what Brendan said is the continuity of Mike Gundy being here for so long and a lot of the position coaches staying, even when coordinators flip, the players coming out of high school and guys coming from JUCO, some of those guys like that. They, they want to be somewhere where they're going to have the same coach every year. It's not going to be flipping over defensive line coaches every single year because coordinators are flipping every year. And, you know, maybe sometimes you're not able to keep the guys that are going to Ohio State, but you're able to keep kind of those core guys on either side of the ball and a lot of the guys coming in like that. And I think that's another way you kind of can keep pushing forward with these classes. No, I, I agree with you, Dustin. And it's, it's interesting. Like you look at this year's class, I've said it a couple of times, top end talent on the offensive side of the ball, but everybody fits in the scheme. You can, you can imagine that player in that position. Um, and I think a lot of that is, is Gundy, not shying away from who he is as a recruiter, how he's going to run this program. You don't get to, uh, you know, number five in on conference championship weekend with a number 35 recruiting class without having a really solid understanding of who you are, what you need to do and what your players need to do. And I, I pause on this because like you look at what Lincoln Riley was doing and I, I hate doing this, but this bear with me, what Lincoln Riley was doing throwing OU's name at every five-star out there, right? I mean, they're going to mega camps. They're, they're trying to pull in every piece of talent they can. And then a new guy comes in, Brett Venables comes in, and he starts talking about things like fit and culture and scheme. And it's like, okay, they're not going to recruit at the number three level nationally anymore. They're probably going to dip based on some of those things he's saying, but they're doing what Oklahoma state's been doing, or, or at least that's what they're, it's sounding like they're going to do. They're going to go after guys that fit a scheme rather than, you know, talent that you're going to see how they fit. You know what I mean? They're, they're going yeah. scheme first, find the guy, not that guy. Let's see how he fits in. 
No, no, that makes, I mean, that makes complete sense. And it's a great approach to take. I, I love that question. Thanks, Brendan. I really appreciate it. Well, that's all we got. I mean, that's all we got in terms of listener questions. So uh, Dustin, I mean, thank you for a great pod. Thank you everybody that sent in listener questions this week, Brendan, everybody on Twitter. I mean, any final thoughts before we get out of here, Dustin? Okay. Did you want to give a little sneak preview of next week? So, Oh, I'd be real. I'd be remiss if we didn't. Uh, yeah, next so maybe week, we get some voicemails and questions kind of directed around that because it's a little bit off oh, topic, it's great. I guess. Uh, thank, thank you for reminding me. Uh, I, you'd think I would have remembered to say that with it <laughs> written right here. Um, next week's podcast, a way too early look at the depth chart. It's your favorite off-season banter. We're going to look at it before the bowl game. Uh, which is never done. Nobody ever does that, but we are. Uh, we're going to be joined, as Dustin already mentioned earlier in the podcast, with our good friend Alex Fuller, uh, the the brain trust of the Feels Like 45 podcast name. So looking forward to that. Absolutely send in your listener questions, uh, because again, a lot of what we talked about here today applies to that conversation. So be sure to tune in. Be sure to send in questions before then. And uh, yeah, it'll be a great episode. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right, Dustin. Well, let's get out of here, man. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Cade Webb. You can follow Dustin at Dustragu. And most importantly, follow us at Feels Like 45 Pod. We're going to have a huge thread dropping on Twitter tomorrow, um, really kind of highlighting everything we just talked about, going a little bit more in depth, too. So be sure to check that out. So by the time this pod drops, that thread will probably already be up. So as always, keep it locked in with us on Twitter. Uh, and if you ever have any questions, you know where to find us. Dustin, thanks for a great show. Adam, thank you again for being the inaugural guest on the Feels Like 45 pod. Uh, it was a great episode, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Go Pokes.